Wilson. Little roller up along first. Behind the bag. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. A 2-1 pitch. And a drive in the air to deep right field. That ball headed toward the wall. That ball is out of here. Out of here. A game-winning grand slam home run off the bat of Robin Ventura. Hey. And it's hit deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Home run by Piazza. And the Mets lead three to two. Turner drives one to center, chasing Nimmo back to the warning track, right at the fence. He made the catch! Oh, wow! The catch of the year for Brandon Nimmo! He took a home run away from Justin Turner! Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? The show starts in 10, 9, Episode number 16, Doc Gooden, the Hall of Fame, New York Met 16, the Say Hello podcast coming to you. Bill Pulsifer, my co-host alongside, my name is Casey Lynn. This is episode number 16 on the Say Hello podcast. It is brought to you by Roots-Recordings.com. A uh, special shout out to... Our producer, Steve White, behind the scenes, doing a great job, as always. Uh, can't believe we're on 16. I just wanted to bring up Doc Gooden because he had a birthday last week. So 16, his number, it made sense. Bill, it's been a week. You were at fantasy camp. Before we dive into anything Mets-related, off the field, on the field, let's get uh, let's talk about your last week of your life, Bill. I- I'm actually interested. I've never gone to Port St. Lucie for fantasy camp. Uh, as a fan, you have the honor of being a coach or whatever that you call there. How was it? Did you get a tan? I see a little redness on your face. Uh, maybe or... just the face because obviously we're in uniform out there. And uh, actually, it was a lot of rain, a lot of rain. But uh, Doug Dickey, who runs the camp, did a great job of um, finding every window we possibly had to to get out on the field. Was able to actually spend some time with number 16 down there and uh, help celebrate his birthday a little bit. Uh, he was kind of trying to keep it down the down low, but I think everybody kind of kind of knew about it. So um, it was a blast. It's, uh, you know, fantasy camp. When you go down to fantasy camp, you're kind of uh, in a fantasy land for, for a week. So I kind of disconnect completely from reality and just go down there and um, lucky uh, to be able to do it. And it's a blast every single year. And um, it's one of the weeks uh, I look forward to every year. You know, one of my one of my favorite weeks of the year. Yeah, uh, I saw one of your tweets during it. It was a picture of you and Doc. Uh, I saw Glenn Rush was the photographer behind the scenes, and you uh, you xed out, tweeted out, whatever. It's not every day that you get to you know spend the birthday with your childhood hero. That must have been awesome. Yeah, um, I get you know I get like a goofy kid every time I get around Doc, and um, I'm lucky to be able to consider him a friend. And um, not many people get to hang out with their their boyhood idol and. talk pitching and you know it's funny 
he asks me what I think and I'm, I'm blown away, you know, when, when, when he yeah. asks me what I think, but it's, it's crazy. Cause I coach down there and he's kind of like a Rover where he just goes to all the fields and uh, you know, does goodwill. And he, that one thing he does great is speaks with everybody. You know, there's 120 campers down there plus all the coaches and the staff and uh, he has time for everybody, but uh, I always want to yell at him, but I have a hard time yelling at my idol when um, yeah, my team's out on the field pitching and all of a sudden here comes Doc walking out on the field and sits behind home plate because then I know, oh boy, my pitchers are going to start walking everybody because they get a little uh, anxious knowing that Doc Gooden's behind the dish. Yeah, for so you're a coach for a team with X amount of players and I guess at Fantasy Camp they have that divided up with uh, 120 fans that come you know, and spend the week with you guys paying for it. Uh, is there like a tournament in games or, you know, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of competitive between, competitiveness between you and the other coaches. Uh, how's that work? Well, um, there's this year there was 12 teams. Okay. Uh, most teams had 10. I think two teams had 11. So I guess it would be 122 campers were there this year. Um, luckily, everybody stayed healthy. What they used to do in the past was that we would actually do a real draft. Oh, wow. And two coaches coached together. I'm always with Kevin Baez. And uh, his name is KB. He had a he was a brief uh, brief met in '93 on the worst team that money could buy. When I was um, with the Ducks, he was our hitting yes, coach for yes, two absolutely. two years. Exactly. I know him very well. KB yeah. is a great guy. Yes, tremendous guy and a tremendous fantasy camp guy. I actually just got put in there. They actually have a Hall of Fame, and he was put in last year um, in the Mets yeah. Fantasy Camp Hall of Fame. But uh, they used to do a real draft, and then they kind of found that. Um, Sometimes the teams, the parity wasn't as, as good as they were looking for. So now we kind of do a group draft and it's not really even a draft. It's kind of the whole, all the, the coaches get together and all the names are up on a board and we kind of put teams together and then they play, um, we play eight games, but it is kind of a tournament. The first, right. the first four games are, or five games. It might be five. I don't even know, but those are like the, uh, the pool games. And then it works into a, um, a single elimination tournament. But even mm-hmm. though you are, when you do get uh, eliminated, you're still guaranteed your game. So those guys play eight games down there in four days because we have two days that are no games. So it's six days. The first day is kind of a, a tryout and a practice and right. evaluation. And then they um, then they play the eight games in the last days. I, I actually got up on the mound the other day and threw to, to, threw to fantasy campers. How was that? Uh, it went better than I thought. You know what? Um, my shoulder had been bothering me a little bit because I've been playing a little bit of catch with my son. Right. Um, and my shoulder had been bothering me, but uh, I broke down and broke out the tiger bomb and actually lathered up my shoulder with a bunch of heat. And that's, I was, okay. it was crazy because it's the first time I've done it since uh, 2011 where I've actually put some, you know, some heat on my arm to try to get it ready. But um, having a one year between outings between the last day of fantasy camp last year and, and the, the last day of fantasy camp this year, it went well, uh, had fun out there. Uh, did just enough to where I didn't uh, didn't hurt anything, you know. Good, my, good. my right, my with the dehydration of all the uh, the off field celebrating that we we do, enjoying each other's company. Usually, I'm, I'm pretty sure dehi- I'm pretty dehydrated by the end of the week. So um, I yeah. did just enough to uh, to strike a few guys out. Maybe I, I might have given up a hit, but um, okay. I had a good time. I, it went better than than I had expected. Well, no one got hurt. You struck a couple guys out. I'm sure the uh, the campers or who, whatever you might call them at yep, last. I know, I, I know they got to pay a pretty penny to you know get down there and have the luxury of you know the Doc Goodens and the Bill Pulsifers and the Kevin Baez's. So uh, 
Oh, there's yeah, a lot I'm, of good names, and I know we're gonna get. I know we're gonna get to to some of them a little bit later after looking through the mailbag a little bit. So uh, we'll yeah. save that for a little bit later. But all right, uh, it's, it becomes a, a community. It really is a community, and you yeah. get to meet so many nice people. And I know we need to move on, but uh, it's a blast. And if anybody is interested in looking into it, I would definitely. It's worth your. It's worth the time if you have the money and the time to do it. It's uh, it's a tremendous blessing for me to be involved, but um. You, it's not just the campers that go down there to meet the, the the players, the former players, and now their coaches, quote unquote. But just the camaraderie that comes over the years from the amount of guys that you get to meet and from different walks of life, and uh, it's it truly is a blessing to be involved. Yeah, um, I'm hoping one day I can do it because uh, reading who was there and seeing all the the tweets and the pictures, uh, it looks like a blast. So it sure is. Uh, I'm happy you had a good time. Hope uh, you know uh, happier not hurt and uh you brought back a little bit of redness on your face so i'll take it <laughs> um so there is some uh met stuff that went down while uh, fantasy camp was going down at clover park and uh the first thing we, i want to talk to you about because we didn't get a chance last week uh when you were in la la land i saw that tweet too uh, yeah, yeah or and uh it was the mets had on friday of last week uh 8 p.m uh eastern uh tendering or not tendering x amount of players and that's a big deal uh because that's basically for that if nobody knows you're cutting a player or you're offering them a contract right and it's a big deal for the team organization it takes them off the 40 man and obviously uh you know for the player it's a it's a life-changing you know event oh, yeah. uh so specifically for the mets they kept players that we thought i thought they were they were going to keep. I wanted to get your take. Pete Alonso obviously is a lock. His last year of arbitration uh, projected to make twenty two million, which you know a lot of money, and he'll get more uh, hopefully with, by the Mets after this year. They tendered Drew Smith, who I thought was on the bubble, but even though he had a poor year in twenty three, he had two back to back good years prior. He's still under control. He's only making two million, which in baseball world is nothing. Uh, he was tendered, and then our guy, Joey Lucchese, he was tendered. So is David Peterson, but he's going to be out to the second half uh, with an injury. What did Peterson yeah. do? What did I miss? I, I believe it, he got shoulder surgery. That's right. Or you so know what? And that's why yeah. we got to cut Maybe we need to cut him a little bit of slack uh, for his season this year. Um, maybe he was pitching injured uh, the majority of the year. And I know it, you know. He pitched well, though, in the second half. Yeah. It, it, that, you know. You know what I and, I kind of noticed I, with him, it seemed like his arm action was changing throughout the year, too. So that's interesting yeah. is if it was something that they were working on or something that he couldn't continuously keep the same arm action because his arm had been bothering him. But that's interesting. You're absolutely right. Uh, you could see it in the first half when he sucked in the beginning for the Mets. His arm ag angle and just everything, it's totally noticeable from when he came back from the minors. Yeah. And pitched much better. My question is, why did they wait for a month, basically, after the season ended to get the surgery? You know, I, I tell you this, um, <laughs> you, you going under the knife and I'm hopefully it's an orthoscopic surgery, which I'm for sure it probably is. But anytime you got to have a procedure um, as players, you're kind of a little bit leery. Although now that I look back, uh, I, I kind of feel like, you know what, if there's a problem, let's fix it. But, yeah. uh, you know, you're going to miss time. You know, like you said, he's going to be gone for the, the first half of the season. So you kind of hold out hope that you don't have to go under the knife or have to have a procedure and, and you can work things out. It's just. Sometimes it's really hard for players to accept that something is wrong and it needs to be fixed because you just know that the the doubt of 
am I going to ever be the same? And obviously, you know, you're going to miss time. It's, it's tough. Yeah. Um, and that's going to impact the Mets because he was a bubble guy for the fifth spot. And if not, he showed that he could come out of the bullpen and pitch well. And having depth is such a big deal with the Mets. Uh, in any organization, just having pitching depth is a you know a priority. So they did tender him. He's coming back, but he'll be on the 60-day DL, which will clear up that 40-man spot. Um, and then I saw here's, something. They're, they're only at 28 guys right now, right? Yeah, they have the lowest amount of four, of players in their organization on their 40-man. David Stearns came in and cleaned up house, um, as we thought he would, and we're including. Uh, Manager as well, a lot of their front office moves. Uh, hired the new manager. We'll get into that a little bit uh, later. Uh, and, uh, yeah, 28 on the 40-man. And who we didn't tender, we can know Daniel Volgeback, the experiment and the frustration of Met fans is gone. Um, Met fans and myself included were just, you know, you had your time, buddy ample opportunity to show something and he never did. They did not tender him only $2 million. I wish him the best. He'll catch on with another team, but Vogelback's gone, you know? Yeah. I mean, he, he seemed like he was a, a lighthearted fun he was. Know, guy to have in the clubhouse and probably to hang out with. But unfortunately in this business, uh, you know, it's a production based business and uh, he was, he had a hard time producing, and obviously was brought in by a prior general manager. So when that whole cleaning house thing is going on, he's going to, he was a casualty. Uh, like you said, you wish him the best, but um, it wasn't a fit. It's a business. And that's the third time David Stearns, who is with the Milwaukee Brewers, has cut him. So Stearns obviously sees what he sees and said, no mas, third time, you're done again. So uh, that was expected. And Luis Guillerme was not tendered. Which came out of nowhere, I, not, making a, a two million at most. I thought he would be tendered. You know, he brings a lot of versatility to the field, a way above average defensive player, but he can't hit a lick in the batter's box with no power. So again, David Stearns, it's his ship. You know, uh, Steve Cohen, he writes the checks, and he signed David Stern to to be the captain of the Mets. Of, of the front office. So yeah. I was a little taken aback by Guillerme. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I like Guillerme. Uh, he was fun to watch in the field, made plays that, you know, like a Ray Ordonia is used to back in the late nineties, but he couldn't hit. Um, and I guess with the influx of young talent coming up in the infield, like a Mauricio they have and uh, Acuna, I guess they thought that Guillerme was expendable. Yeah, I mean, obviously, with the younger guys, you can pay them a little bit less money, too. I mean, obviously, yeah, I've always found it kind of funny the way that big league ball clubs kind of try to save money on certain ends that, you know, really <laughs> it's kind of kind of a nickel and dime in a way, if you want to yeah. say, and then spend exorbitant amounts of money on the on the on the high end. But, is, um, yeah, you know, I guess, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars here, a few hundred thousand, you know, you're talking about paying a guy, a rookie, you know, what is it? Six, seven hundred thousand dollars as opposed to two million. And you're also getting that young guy the opportunity to be out there and play uh, and hold a, you know, become a big league ball player. Uh, Luis, uh, I got to throw my first pitch to him. So I got to meet him briefly. Yes. Um, obviously a fan of him defensively. Uh, he did hit well for, um, you know, a couple of years. Obviously not a lot of power. But um, slap hitter, you know, like like not terrible, uh, you know, but I guess it just it, it Stern saw he wasn't it was the the 
risk reward for two yeah. million dollars wasn't worth it with other young guys coming up. I don't right. Know. That, and I would think that maybe it, with Stearns being more of an analytical guy, uh, maybe looking for more power off the bench as opposed to defense and yeah. um, you know and contact it. And and it's funny you were saying you know when they had the Steve Cohen luxury tax for fuck's sake when they make a tax after him because he blows over it with the money and you say nickel and diving. Well, DJ Stewart, who was on the bubble for being tendered, non-tendered, he got a one-year deal, a major league, a major league deal, and they shaved off, like you said verbatim, a couple hundred thousand. He was projected, if tendered, to get one point five million. The Mets signed him for one point three, and he's he was ecstatic, as he should be. You know, he's yeah, I think to- that he's. You know, he, this is a what a former number one overall yeah. pick or a first round pick. First round pick for the Orioles, and yeah. I'm happy for him. And he was pumped. Yeah, well, you know, he he can kind of take a deep breath a little bit and just focus on on preparing himself now, as opposed to where am I going to be? Am I going to be a AAA? Am I going to have a job? Obviously, he knew he was going to get a job, but where's it going to be? Uh, you know, where where's spring training going to be? What am I? You know, yep. so he so he's had some some questions answered for him that can kind of have him be able to just take a, kind of a deep breath. And he seems like he's a hardworking guy, so I wouldn't ex- obviously expect him to take that as okay. I made it, and but I think no. that's just kind of a a weight off of his back. Take a deep breath, and now I can just really focus on getting my ass ready for spring training. And, totally, uh, yeah, totally he agree. Great. He was great. You know, he, he got he, off to a little bit of a rough start, but once he started continuously to get at bats, he uh, he performed really, really well. And I think he'll be fighting, um, you know, fighting for a lot of playing time in right field. He had it. Um, I know the Mets were out of it, and he became Barry Bonds for a good six-week stretch in August. Um, his stats were insane. He had like nine home runs in 15 games. I love his swing. Uh, yeah, he's got pop for that left left side, uh, and he earned that contract with those six weeks. He took advantage, and not a lot of players do this. When injuries happen, Marte, you know, um, whoever else was really Marte, and they and they knew Marte wasn't coming back. All right, DJ. You know, you've been in AAA. You have good numbers. Show us what you got. Not only did they sh- he show the Mets what he got, I mean, he was putting up historic numbers. Um, so he earned it. There was a quote by him last year where it was the DJ Stewart game, and he, he had a famous quote. I don't even think he meant to say it with any intentions, but it was like, diapers ain't cheap, you know? <laughs> like, So, you know, good for DJ. I get it that he doesn't have to worry about the money's guaranteed is the biggest thing. You know, obviously you go down the AAA, you're not making as much as you are. Yeah, in the major league. Yeah, right. So that money is guaranteed. And it's a big difference and, uh, you know, good for him. And I think, yeah, you're right. He'll have a lot of opportunities to find some of bats kind of, kind of like a Tommy fan, uh, last year with, uh, in, injury. So I'm happy to see him back and he's 30 or thir- turning 30. I agree with you again. He still got that chip on his shoulder, being that former former first rounder, uh, and a million and a half dollars. Well, to me and you, is a lot of money right now. Uh, well, at least to me. Uh, oh, me too. Know, yeah, he he <laughs> yeah, he could parlay that into ten million. You know. Yep. yep. So good for him. Hard nosed baseball player too. You know the type of guy, type of yep. guy that the Mets need. So uh, yes. that's a win win for both for both the Mets and for uh, DJ Stewart. They need a lot of uh, DJ Stewart to passionate and and you know just like you said uh quickly to wrap up the tenders the non-tenders guys who we thought were not going to be tendered the trevor gotts of the world the brigham's of the world the john curtis's of the world that basically just tells me david stearns came in and threw out the trash of billy epler's you know optionable relievers because teams that want to win 
No, you have a bullpen that's set. Not guys that you can just rotate with options and have them on the train going from Syracuse or, you know, whatever the plane back and forth every 10 days. That's not how it works. So Dan Stearns knows that. That definitely doesn't bode well for camaraderie or uh, comfortability. You know, if you know, (laughs) I might be two bad pitches away from I'm back on the back on the plane uh, to Syracuse or, you know, uh, obviously. There's that makes it's, more more work to be done, you know, which man. we've we've talked about that the Mets have a lot of a lot of work to do this this winter. But now that they've got um, some of the the cleaning cleaning house out of the way and got a manager, and um, I would suspect that pretty soon the the chips are going to start to fall. Yeah, and it's not even that. Like I remember last year, all these optionable relievers, and by what I mean is what I said before, guys that. Like you said, you're two pitches away from being sent back to AAA. It's not even that. Guys were being called up just for an arm. So they could yeah. go two, three shutout innings, striking out nine guys, but they're sent back to Syracuse anyway because their arms are toast for the next five days. Right. So I'm hoping David Stearns, and I'm sure he knows that's not how you run a Major League Baseball team in the bullpen. You have to have guys who are solidified. So I'm happy with the tenders and the non-tenders. Surprised by Guillermo. Happy for Stewart. Uh, Lucchese, I really we didn't think... mention the, the lefty, the lefty reliever there. Uh, what's his name with the B? Uh, the lefty with the B, Brooks Raley, Raley, yeah, B. First oh, well, he, B. yeah, they picked up his option uh, a couple oh, weeks okay. ago. Yeah, okay, that's right, yeah. that's right. So, their bullpen as of today in the early uh, part of Thanksgiving week is Diaz will be back, Raley, Drew Smith, and that's it. So uh, unless I'm forgetting somebody, but I'm not. The Gots are gone. The, oh, oh, and but the Phil Bickfords of the world are on the 40 man. They got it from the Dodgers and uh, some other guys as well. But the hard pressure situations. Adovino declined his option. Uh, he's doing. He's on SNY doing Baseball Night in America or Baseball Night in New York every day. It's really? the weirdest thing. I mean, every day he's with the host of that show at 6:30 on SNY. As a con- as an analyst, and he's, he's what con- what? <laughs> yeah. He's not considering retirement, is he? And trying to get into the uh, entertainment. It's industry. almost like he's 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 definitely setting himself up after retirement because he does speak well and he knows what he's talking about. But the guy is looking for a contract. He just declined seven and a half million. So it's just odd where he could come back too, and he's talking yeah. about the Mets bullpen as an analyst. It's just odd. A little strange. Yeah, um, the what you were talking about before the pitches, uh, the the pieces that need to now fall in with the Mets. The big news of the week: Yamamoto, Yoshi Yamamoto from Japan, the number one sought out free agent, uh, right there with Otani. He posted, uh, which means now he's a free agent, and all thirty major league teams have forty five days to negotiate with him. Doesn't mean it will take forty five days. That would be January fourth that it would all end. Um, there's no comp picks to him. Um, it, it, he's 24. The stats, we've talked about him for months. He's finally a free agent. He said that he will meet with teams early December. Nothing's going to happen around Thanksgiving week. Um, he said that he doesn't want the dog and pony show. doesn't want the ballpark tours. He doesn't want the wine and dines. That tells me, and I, I obviously I want to get your thoughts on it as well, he kind of knows where he wants to go. Yeah. Or at least has it down to a couple. He's going to make upwards of two hundred million. 
He's going to get a seven-year contract. For Christ's sake, Aaron Nola just got seven years, $172 million. He's an innings eater, you know. Yamamoto's your clear-cut ace, whoever gets him. Is he? Yeah. Yamamoto? He is? In Japan. Absolutely. In so Japan. Was a, so was the Rabu. Well, I mean, we so can go through. Kei Ishigawa. I mean, there's, I think he's an unknown commodity right now. Obviously, he's a hot, hot topic. We could go but, through. Uh, you're right. You you're don't know. Have to prove to me you can pitch in the major leagues, brother. I would love if the Mets got Yamamoto and he can prove to Bill Pulsifer for how good he is. Yeah, I'll, I'll I, put I, it that I, way. I was talking to some people down at camp about him, and obviously he's been tremendous up to this point. Some of the things that he might have going against him a little bit would be his size as a right-handed pitcher. Yep. You know, a five ten right-handed pitcher um, hasn't been injured yet, right? Nope. God damn, there's one coming. Yeah, there. Yes, there is. <laughs> You know, so I don't yeah. know. I mean, look, you hope for the best, and obviously he's the hot, the hot commodity in the free agent pitching market. You got to prove you can play in the major leagues. There's, well, there's, and nothing against Japan because Japan is a tremendous league with tremendous baseball players. They've proven in the World Baseball Classic, um, but it's just it's not the major leagues. So, I seven years. I, that's a lot of you know. He's hey, twenty four. He's twenty four. I mean. Uh, Aranola, who just zero, has pitched zero pitches at the major league level, right? And I get Senga had a great year, and he, but he was thirty, you know. And I understand that they go a six man rotation or every sixth day in Japan. That again will affect any team that gets him. They're probably going to have a lot of uh, Swiss I, or Army knives, if you will, in the bullpen that can give you length, like a, a Trevor Williams. Who, who pitched for the Mets, who could give you four or five innings out of the bullpen. Longman, if you will. Uh, the forgotten longman. I miss those days where we had longmans and not an opener and a whole fucking bullpen day. Excuse my language, everybody. But back in the day, now I sound like Bill, who's getting all, you know, old school yeah, here. Old, old. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm, I'm old, old too. You're older, but, uh, <laughs> you know. Ramiro, Ramiro Mendoza. He was the Yankees guy, yeah. with the, you know, Never kind hit, of the middle I, guy. You know? you know what I remember about Ramiro Mendoza? Mike Piazza hitting a 400-foot shot off of him in 1999 at Chase Stadium and that back-and-forth game uh, w- that ended with Matt Franco getting a pinch-hit walk-off single to right field off of Matt Franco. Very That's nice. how I remember Ramiro Mendoza. Good, go. me- good memory. Thank you for right that. Right on. Yep. Um, if the Mets don't get Yamamoto, here's the question, Bill. Where does that leave him? Who the hell's pitching for the Mets? Yeah. Who's their ace? Who, where's their, the, you know, uh, Jordan Montgomery's still available. Blake Snell's available. I want no part of Blake Snell at all. Nola off the books. Lance Lynn signed a, a $10 million contract for one year going back to St. Louis. Off a horrible year last year for both the White Sox and L.A. traded at the deadline. Didn't want him. He's gone. If you don't get Yamamoto and you don't fill it with the depth piece like a number four starter maybe via trade like a, a Corbin Burns or Tyler Glass now is on the market I like that a lot I like that a lot they might have um, to go I'm that not route. sure Burns would be a fit simply because of everything that happened in Milwaukee last year and the guy running the Mets now being somebody that was involved in that obviously we don't know would if, be a, you don't know if that was the the owner or Stearns we don't know the whole we don't story know that. we don't know that right. but, um, obviously uh it could be a it could be a contentious point. It might not be. I don't know. Right. But uh, yeah. I don't know why an owner wouldn't like uh, wouldn't like Corbin Burns and what he's well, done over there. But um, well, money. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. they, they, business, they, business, he, business, business. Cheap as hell over there in Milwaukee. So that's what I get out yep. of it. But they Snell could trade. Is, Snell is intriguing, though. You know, I mean, 
He walks too many guys. Power arm, big personality. He's now, got two Cy Youngs. He's never pitched a complete game. He can't get out of the sixth inning. Yeah. He had 99 walks last year. You're playing with fire here. Yes, you're, you're, I, I agree. I agree. But if he can ever really, really figure it out, how old is he now? He, he's got to be he's late 30, 20s. Is he in his I got it. He's got to be at least 30 because, I mean, he's got two Cy Youngs in two different leagues. I wish I could look it up right now. That's, that is kind of insane to think that a guy's got – yeah, two, two Cy Young awards and has never thrown a complete game. Meanwhile, I think I threw three in my first right seven or eight starts. But I know so think about times, it. different times. But Bill Pulsifer, for three complete games. Blake Snell zero. Who wins, Bill? There you Blake go. Snell. Blake Snell wins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's going to be interesting. They could try for Burns. They could try for Glass now. Glass now. I like Glass now a lot. I think that he's and he's going to be really healthy. Now coming off of you yep. know in his second year coming off of Tommy John, right? Um, it's my oldest son's favorite pitcher, so that would be cool to have him around too. To, really, because uh, Glass now hasn't really been around that long. He's in his twenties for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, my okay. son was a, my son. You know, I lived in Florida for a long time, so I had one son that kind of picked like in the Marlins a little bit, as well as the Mets, and one yeah. that kind of picked Rays. the the Rays and yeah. also the Mets. So, uh, and he uh, he he likes Glass now. I like Glass now too. You know, Me too. Still got a lot to offer. That would be great. I think. Obviously, man, there's so many holes to to fill. It's like who? Yeah. It's it's very. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, we could go our separate ways with agreeing about Yamamoto, and you're not wrong. I, I'm not. I don't. I, I'm not saying I don't like the guy. I just think it's an unknown commodity. Of course. You know, it's like Mazero Tanaka from Japan. You know, right. he pitched well for for a decade with the Yankees. You know, uh, you never know how it's going to go. Uh, Dice K whatever from yeah, Japan. Masas- right, he, he, for, former Met actually yes. in his later part of his career. He had a you know? pitch too, right? Yeah, I forget made what a it was. Pitch with the name. Yeah, it wasn't as good as the Ghost Fork, but it was it right. was nasty. I forget oh, it though. Singh is obviously he's throwing 97, 98, 99 miles an hour with an incredible secondary pitch, and he's yeah. a he's a bigger guy, right? Singh is a bigger guy. Yes, Singh's Singh's got some uh, meat on those bones. Yeah, does yeah. Yamamoto have the velocity that Singh does? I'm not sure. Yeah, so does. Yamamoto's got a curveball. Uh, I guess you could call it a slurve, but um, I've seen the highlights. Uh, and he, a sweeper. A, sweep, a sweeper now that they call it, yes. Sure. Uh, and he's hit 98. He hits 98. Right. Uh, with consistency, and he goes the full nine, you know? Like, uh, uh, it wasn't even a question when he was pitching the the World Series, if you will, in Japan. Forget what you called it, and I apologize. I believe um, it's called the Final Series. I believe they call yeah. it. Yeah. Again, don't quote me on that. Right, and they they he pitched Game Six of that nine innings. He went the full nine, and he had a high pitch count, but it didn't even matter. Like his pitch count was let's say eighty in the sixth inning, and it was like this guy's going all nine. I mean, he was. Fine. I know that there was a, a little bit of concern, but obviously he must have had a really good game there uh, towards the end of the, uh, the of the final series. There, I know that there was some maybe issues with him not performing necessarily his best the last couple of years in the playoffs, but maybe he's put that behind him. With I think the, he uh, has. He did the start before that. To your point, he had a very bad start. Um, hey, it happens. But, it happens. Yeah, I mean, these guys are not; they're humans, you know. Uh, regardless if you're the best pitcher in your country, which he is, you know, you're have, not you're robots. Have bad games for sure. Yep. Uh, but the Mets got to fill their rotation. They got to fill their bullpen. We, we talked about t- 28 guys on your 40 man. It doesn't even mean that those guys are on your 26 man to start the season. Right. Billy, uh, Billy Epler, <laughs> David Stearns has a lot of work to do and he it's does. inevitable. So 
hopefully, I mean, that's why I always said, even back when the season was going on this off season, here's the lull right now, Thanksgiving week to the winter meetings. And then bam, you know, we've seen some signings, like I said, Nola, uh, we see some trades uh, and we've seen Lynn sign and, once I would have liked, I would have, I would have liked Nola in Queens. I think he's a, you know, like you said, a workhorse innings eater. Obviously, he's been a Philly. So some Mets fans, I don't want a Philly, but whatever. Once he puts on the the blue and orange, you know, I'll be on. I'll, I hear you. Um, he's got a, a respectable ERA, twenty five million dollars is probably fair uh, for what he got for him in this day and age. But I think he, the Phillies, it seems like they're on uh, Otani and Yamamoto as well. They print money over there, you know, but I see, I, I think the Phillies and him just knew that they get along. He loves yeah. the city. You know, he's familiar there. That's been um, his home, right? I mean, he's, yeah, that's his, he's never that's pitched his, anywhere yeah, else. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's his home. I, I'm, again, I'm not going to lose sleep over not getting Nola um, at all. Uh, I know we talked about this briefly. You saw the press conference for Carlos Mendoza, I believe, uh, for when he uh, had his. Uh, I was you know, in La La Land. So okay, I, so I had, be, I had to be told it was even going on when a friend was texting me telling me I like this, I like this Mendoza. Right. So, did you get did you get to watch any clips of it or read yes. some quotes? So I wanted yes. to, I yes. talked about it. I had the podcast last week without you, and you were poorly missed. And we actually had a man uh, in the mailbag uh, ask, "How bad do you miss Bill Pulsifer?" So, oh, you got a, uh, you got a question? How nice! I did. I, hey, I got two. All right, <laughs> uh, not as many when you're on the show, but uh, that's good what, though. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the point is, uh, so if you saw some of the highlights of his press conference and quotes, what what was your take? I know it comes down to executing during the games, but all we can go off of is his press conference for now and how he handled the media, how he spoke. What did you take out of it from what you saw and heard? I like the Willie Randolph part. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, me too. He needs he needs something like that with him. I yeah. Think. I mean, look, um, he obviously – and to be able to to go in front of the media and say all the right things and put your best foot forward and come across positive and come across optimistic, that's a big thing. And it's very, very important. And a lot of guys are good at that. Um, he showed that he was good at that. Now getting the job done. Obviously, yeah. you're only as good as the, the equipment that you're given. So there's a lot, like we said, there's a lot of questions out there for him uh, with his with – his, um, his players, his roster. Uh, but so far up to this point, a lot of people very happy with what they uh, had to hear uh, Mendoza talk about. I did like, and maybe it was, I'm not going to say crying out for, but the Willie Randolph part, maybe, hey man, maybe maybe Willie gets back in the dugout again. Um, that was at the help. end. That was at the end of the press conference and it was kind of out of nowhere. It was weird. It's interesting. I, li- I, I liked it, it though. And maybe he was just giving props, you know, maybe he was giving props to somebody that because he, he said how much he's helped him learning to coach and learning how to be a good coach. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Willie's been involved in New York for so many, 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 many years, uh, both on, you know, both sides with the Yankees yeah. and with the Mets. But um, he's got a lot of, you know, he's going to have a lot of work to do with a lot of players that he doesn't know. And, and uh, not just that, but players getting to know other players on the team. So yeah. he's going to have his hands full. Um Interesting that the pitching coach is coming back. Uh, how many pitching coaches last through three managers? I don't zero. Not, yeah, never. I, so, I've never heard of. Uh, you're speaking of Jeremy Hefner. Yes. I, I, 
I talked about this on the podcast last week, just like you're kind of no like, other talk well, about it. The rest of the coaching staff at this point, either. No, no. Eric Chavez coming back, Chavez is as, coming back, but not as the bench coach, obviously back hitting coach. Yes. And Jeremy Barnes, who was the hitting coach last year is now the co hitting coach. So whatever, make up, you know, titles and I don't, uh, I don't understand it, but whatever. I thought, but there's but, this thing, there's this thing called too many cooks in the kitchen. And yep. I think that sometimes the coaching, I don't know. I guess they're just trying to give up. Yeah. If those guys get major league service, that's uh, that's insane because that it seems like too, it's overkill with the coaches. Yeah, and uh, quality God. control coach. What? I don't even know what that means. Romano uh, starts with the. He played for the Royals, bullpen coach, uh, former All Star, blew out his arm, very young. Mets got him as the bullpen coach. Um, okay. God, his name is escaping me. Uh, I think he played around when you played. Um, Royals, two time All Star. Uh, lefty or righty? Lefty, lefty. Uh, I watched him pitch growing up. He's the new bullpen coach. Uh, he he was in the Yankees organization. You're going to get a lot of ties there with Mendoza. Yeah. Uh, yo, man, it, it's uh, it's escaping. Is he me, a Venezuelan guy as well? I wonder. He, I, Maybe I, they know I, each other. Yeah, I believe so. He was also in Korea, I think, pitch uh, being a coach over there. Uh, and Mendoza just brought him over. And actually, I saw someone on. Uh, Twitter the other day asking what does a bullpen coach do and I I went I didn't go off I mean I was respectively nice and I was like you don't understand and then you were talking about Randy Neiman way back when in one of our uh, episodes a bullpen coach has a a, a huge job tell me if I'm wrong I mean he's got to know as a pitching coach I I, look he's got to be a a psychologist as well as a coach you know you got to be able to deal with the guys that are down there because being a bullpen pitcher is, is not easy, and it's a thankless job a lot of the times. Um, obviously, you've got to know the scouting reports. You've got to know your guys. You've got to know what makes them tick. It's, it, it is an important job. And you're down there with that that because that team, it's kind of a team inside of a team. Yeah, and you guys are down there pitchers. in that bullpen together, yeah. and you guys are all in the – that's like your foxhole down there. And yeah. uh, that's, the, you know, that's where you start your battle and you, you get your, your wars are started or down there as a group. So – Obviously, bull, I feel that bullpen coach is a very integral part of a, of a coach. I, to- I totally agree. You're tracking every pitch. You're a middleman to the manager and, you know, from the pitcher about how he looks, how his stuff looks, psychologically, like you said. You're in, you're in that foxhole with the entire bullpen and starters who maybe want to come out there on their off day, uh, you know, and you're, you're just – you know more than probably anybody uh, as a bullpen coach in terms of that pitcher. He's every side session, every bullpen, every this and that. Bullpen coaches are overlooked, and I'm just surprised that not many people take them for granted. I mean, they they have an integral part of the uh, the a position for a reason. So absolutely. Uh, um, let's let's talk a little bit about the Hall of Fame ballot quickly because um, I know we got to get to the mailbag. Uh, it came out uh, earlier this week, uh, and I believe you have it, um, and maybe yep. some thoughts. I do. Uh, quickly for me, I, I really hope that Billy Wagner gets in. He deserves it. Nobody off the page that jumps out at me does like Billy Wagner. He was, to me, the most dominant left-handed relief pitcher of all time. Of his time. Of, of his time, for sure. Maybe of uh, all time. Yeah. I mean, the stats, you should look up his last year. Uh, look I it up. I- I think I told you about the first time I ever saw him throw in person at the Astrodome. All yes. I can think of is how in the world does anybody ever put a bat on the ball? You know, right. seeing him in person yeah. from the dugout is like, wow, <laughs> wow. Yeah. And he and, was throwing and, 98, 99 miles, miles an hour then. 
when we know that the radar guns are, are reading the ball at, at different areas than they did at that time. Yeah. So, I mean, I would like to have – I bet you he was upwards of the 101, 102 mark. He might have uh, hit it, yeah. If he was on the guns of nowadays. And he, you know, when he pitched for the Astros, I was like, "How we? How do you hit this guy?" Yeah, I don't came... even. I don't even know how you put a put a foul ball out there. Right, and then he came to the Mets. So I was like, "Okay, you know." And what a and great now... story! I don't know if you know it, but the kid broke his arm, his right arm, yes. his right hand. Yeah, taught himself how to pitch. He was Thirteen lefty. and fourteen, and decided I'm going to learn how to throw left-handed. That's but, nice. um Go ahead, finish your finish your guys because I do have some some notes here about the yeah. Hall of Fame. Really quickly, Wagner's my number one. Uh, he's trending to make it. Why he, it's his eighth year on it? He'll get in. I don't know if it's going to be. I think it's his second to last year left on the ballot. What also jumps off at me first year to, uh, is Adrian Beltre. He's a Hall of Famer, uh, third baseman. He's a first ballot for me. He'll get in this year. Andrew Jones, as much as a Met fan I am, with his defense and center and 430 home runs, uh, he should get in. I don't know if he'll get in this year. He's another guy. I'm on the bubble with Joe Maurer. Um, and then you have the Mets. There's a Carlos Beltran, David Wright, and Jose Reyes won't crack 5%. It's unfortunate for David Wright. He was a shoe-in until the back and all the problems. Unfortunate, um, yes. Very and, then, unfortunate. and then here's where I – He's at fifty five percent last year on the on the ballot. Gary Sheffield, five hundred plus home runs. The, the talk is, you know, the rumors about the steroids. I, I, I hope I don't know. I, I'm, I'm wishy washy on, on Gary Sheffield. I remember being at Shea Stadium when he hit number five hundred. That has nothing to do with anything. Um, but to wrap it up, I really like to see Billy Wagner get in. Uh, it's, it's terrible how the. Uh, David Wright, not going to make 5%. But Andrew Jones should. Billy Wagner should. Uh, Beltran, <laughs> uh, Beltre should. And I think Beltran eventually will. I do think eventually. Eventually. Not this year, but eventually. You remember, you got you know, it's years and years that you build yeah, up. Yeah. Yep. So that's my take on it. Uh, everyone else can kiss my ass, especially Chase Utley. Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> Chase Utley, if you're listening, kiss my ass. <laughs> You're such a fan. Okay. Always. I've got a, I've got a few little lists here of, and I'm going to start with, we'll go with the, some really good names here, but unfortunately they have the, the steroid, the steroid yeah. stigma. Obviously A-Rod, Sheffield, Manny Ramirez, and Andy Pettit would be my borderline because obviously Mike Messina is in the Hall of Fame. So comparable, comparable, but then you throw the, you know, the admitted use of steroids to come back. Um, to uh, to come back from injury, uh, I'm that takes that guy. takes me off of all of them. You know, a yeah, for but sure. I do believe this. I do believe at some point in time, there's going to have to be a and if you wanted to call it the the steroid era wing or something, some of these guys are going to have to get in, and they're going to have to be the pre 2003 guys. Obviously, that eliminates Manny. That eliminates yep. a Rod yep. and uh, Sheffield. I mean, he was kind of tied to Balco a little bit too, right? So that yeah. That might eliminate him. So maybe those, maybe they don't get in. But those are some tremendous baseball players that had tremendous careers that might have been helped out a little bit, obviously with some uh, performance stuff. I mean, Manny um, Manny Ramirez could be the greatest right-handed batter right-handed I ever saw. All the time. Right, right. And I got to play with him, and I got to see how he worked on a daily basis. Phenomenal. Yeah. Okay, yeah. my list of very very good players, but no, uh, right now Abreu, Mauer, Utley. Unfortunate, David Wright would happen with him because I believe he was, you know, he's a Chipper Jones comp and would be a, um, 
a yeah. Hall of Famer. Jose Easy. Reyes, great career, great player, not, not a Hall of Famer. Famer. You're talking me into Beltron, maybe possibly because he does he did accomplish some things that hadn't been accomplished before, maybe down the line. Uh, then my borderline guys that I think will eventually get in. I believe uh, Todd Helton eventually gets in. I forgot him. Yeah, and they're going to look. They're you know they're going to realize that the guy was a flat out hitter. It didn't matter where he was playing. Well, that's um, yeah, the whole road. With, yeah. yeah, I agree with you with uh, Andrew Jones, um, best player at his position. I saw a good comp the other day about a comparison. Uh, best player at his position, Ozzie Smith is in the Hall of Fame. Ozzie yeah. Smith was never a super duper tremendous offensive player. Obviously, clutch. We know the home runs that he hit uh, right. in playoff games. But um, Andrew Jones hit over, you know, almost 500 home runs, 450 home runs, whatever it may right. be. I think he eventually gets in. Then that me leads too. me to the guys that I think that should be in, and I'm agreeing with you. Beltre, I think, is 100% a Hall of Famer. should be a right. first year. Yep. And I agree with um, – I'd like to see Billy Wagner get his props and get his flowers for, for what he accomplished as a, as a left-handed relief pitcher. I, 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 that's I, my list, and that's what I think. We're on the same page. Uh, you bring up Todd Helton. I don't know the list in front of me. Uh, his road numbers are incredible. So take take out the course field crap. Yeah, he was, uh, he was just good. I mean, the yeah, guy was good. He was, right. Uh, wasn't he a backup to Peyton Manning at the University of Tennessee yeah. as well? And I think he's got four or five silver sluggers too. I yeah, mean, this guy was. Yeah, this guy was good. You know. Yeah, yeah, and um, so yeah, he he's probably will get in. I think. I hope. I think Billy down Wagner, the line. I think him down and, the line. Andrew right. down yeah. the line get in. You know how it works. Larry Walker, who's going to be who was inducted, it took him to his last year because yep. it's all a process. You only get so many votes, and there's you know. But remember, DiMaggio didn't go in on his first ballot. Think about right. that. Right. You know, and he missed three years of his uh, career, you know, serving our country. Right. Which you know, and you still don't vote for him. So absolutely, it takes time. People want to keep people off so they can keep or, or vote for a quote unquote Gary Sheffield this year. Who's last chance, Gary, you know, or you're off. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you on everybody. Uh, and screw Ch- Chase Utley. <laughs> Mailbag. Here we go. All right. First, your boy has to go first. Uh, he had a question for me last week. I think he was awesome. just being uh, nice and he threw me a softball question. He's so. a nice guy. He's a nice guy. And he really is. NYMGI. Bill, besides Doc, who are the former players and teammates you enjoy spending the most time with at fantasy camp? Well, obviously, uh, Kevin Baez is up there for me because he's one of the first, I think I might have told the story, first four guys that I ever met in professional baseball when I flew into West Palm Beach to go to instructional league. So I've known Kevin now since 1991. That's a long, long time. (laughs) Um, make, you make it seem like that with yep. 1991. Yep. Right. Um, obviously getting to see the, the 86 Mets guys down there, you know, Mackie Sasser, uh, who's a great guy, Barry Lyons, um, Hojo, you know, yeah. those, are, those are great guys. I get to see some of the 69 Mets in Ron Swoboda, Duffy Dyer. Uh, I get to see Bobby Wine, who was uh, the bench coach when I first came to the to the big leagues with Dallas. And Hondo and those guys um, get to see former teammates of mine. Todd Pratt, he's always a pleasure to see. A guy that I get traded, for, I got traded for Lenny who, Harris, who holds a record for that will never be broken in baseball in uh, all time. Lenny Harris loved him, um, loved him. What a clutch pinch hitter! Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, Glendon Rush, um, who 
we we do another little podcast together yeah. called Southpaw, and we've kind of reconnected a little bit. We were teammates only briefly, but um, brothers in arms, um, you know, left-handed pitchers. Uh, just uh, shoot, I could go on there. You know, there's so many so many yeah. good guys. Felix Millan, who's he's, he's like, yeah, you know, like seeing royalty. This guy's royalty to me. He goes yeah. everywhere for all the events. He's in a suit and tie, a three-piece suit. You know, just the, the epitome of a gentleman. Yeah. But um, there's there's so many good guys. So many. Sounds like a blast, man. You're, it really, you're, really is, man. If you can do it, I, I highly recommend it. Well, uh, yeah, it, you're you're Before, getting, hey, look, you're young. You've got time. You can do it. Yeah. Uh, that that just it, yeah makes me want to go. Uh, thanks for the question, NYG NYMGI. Uh, always there for us. Uh, we got to move along to uh, Jimmy Lags. He goes, welcome back, Bill. Uh, do you have any Ron Washington stories? And what do you think about his hiring with the Angels? Um, I, my favorite, uh, there's so many of them, but <laughs> I'll give you a quick one. Okay. So Mark Kroon, who was drafted the same year as me, we're playing together in, uh, in Columbia, South Carolina for the Bombers. And Ron Washington is the manager. Ron is a, he's so funny. I mean, he's a character, not as, not just a brilliant baseball man, but a character and a people person. So Mark Kroon, every night they do the, uh, the race, the fan with the mascot, which the mascot starts on second base and the fan has to run all the way around the bases. Well, you know, the mascot usually, or it might've even been vice versa, but the mascot usually goofs around and ends up losing the race to the kid. Well, (laughs) <laughs> Mark Kroon dressed up as Bomber the Mouse one night Uh-oh. and he won the race and ran by and then he ran by the dugout and Ron Washington he was like god damn Bomber's got some long ass legs tonight <laughs> it, it was just the funniest thing but there's so, so many different great Ron Washington stories he used to talk about how he um, he was so important to the team that they couldn't play him every day and he just he had his own little beliefs of himself and uh he was always about taking ground balls, just like you see, you know, nowadays yeah. we can think Still. back to the all-star game with him helping Pete. And yeah. then you see his little things on Twitter here and there. Well, he would be working with Albies and some of the, 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 the Braves guys. Um, he's a baseball lifer, a baseball junkie. What do I think about his hire? I absolutely love it. I absolutely love that. He's getting another opportunity to, to manage again. And I think it's well-deserved. Yeah. Uh, 71 years old, uh, I think after being a strike away in 2011 in the World Series against the Cardinals, and he led the Rangers to -to back-to-back World Series when he was managing back then. Uh, Not saying the Angels are going anywhere. No, there's still a lot of work to be done, but I'm just very happy for why. I think it's kind of like Buck Showalter. They're baseball junkies. They're baseball lifers. You know, he had the opportunity to maybe get a managerial job at his age. And he took it. And I'm sure he'll say, and he already has, you know, we'll come for the West. We'll do everything we can. But, you know, you got the Astros there. You got the up-and-coming Mariners. And you got the world champion Rangers. Uh, But I think the guy just wants to manage, you know. And and good for him. He got that opportunity in 71. So 100%. Yeah. I'm not worried about that age. That's a good age right now. The last two... The last two World Series champs were 68, uh, 71 and 68. So he's yep. all right. He's all right. He, Things are going nice. to come back around a little bit. I'm telling you. That's the way there it works. There you go. What goes around comes back around again. Absolutely. Did with Ron. Uh, we got time for one more question, then we'll go into quick pitches. Jeff Cohen, 
uh, who's got Baseball Barbecue Podcast. Thanks for the question. Uh, he wants to know how Fantasy Camp was. Well, we know. You've already answered that. But he has another question. Was there any kangaroo court stories that maybe went down at Fantasy Camp? Yeah, kangaroo court is always a blast every night. And it's uh, – it's, they do um, – Hope for Heroes is a charity for uh, wounded veterans. And yep. all the money and all the proceeds goes to that. Um, obviously – your your typical things like they, I want to I shouldn't say this but cock really in the should. spread cock in the spread <laughs> is uh you mentioned this yeah, yeah it's an automatic well we did get a guy for cock in the spread now obviously you're not naked in the in the food room but right. if you go in there with the towel on uh, that's an automatic fine right. uh, we had a guy who has been he was in a he was in a bad accident and he has a bunch of it's the same guy that was a cock in the spread that's so funny um, <laughs> he has. He has pins and uh, metal in his legs hey. to, to they had to put his legs back together, but he's a catcher. So he has a uh, handicap sticker, uh, you know, a placard to park. Yeah. <laughs> but he had to be fine. And I brought him up because he parks in the handicap spot, but yet he caught every inning of every game in week one and then caught every inning of, because this guy goes two weeks, believe it or not. And this guy's 60. I want to say 61 years old. God bless him. And yeah. And then caught the first four games of the second week of camp, but yet parked in the handicap spot every single day. So that was, that was obviously a fine. Um, yeah. It's like, you know, okay. It's all little, <laughs> little stupid things. You know, you got the wrong colored spikes on, you forgot your belt. You didn't bring your belt out. I right. actually brought a guy up because he went to go take batting practice on the, the, uh, the showcase day. And went up with the fungo bat. Had no idea he was using a fungo bat to take batting practice. But um, how do you not realize that it's completely uh, you, you know, different guys, from a regular bat? You know, maybe he didn't even know what a fungo bat was. I didn't. I can't see how he didn't realize that it was extremely long. It was, you know, it's a, it's a are, long, thin, not thin, yeah. but thinner. He actually, believe on. it or not, he actually hit the ball pretty well in batting practice with it too. But you know, it's all yeah. it's all in good fun, and it's for a great cause uh, for the um, Hope for Warriors Foundation, which good, is good. which is great. Good. Well, we got some good questions there. Thank you, uh, Jeff Cohen, Jimmy Legs, and uh, NYMGI for the questions. Uh, we're going to move right along to quick pitches and then wrap this VB up. Uh, we haven't done this in a couple weeks, so I'm looking forward to it. First question, if you're uh, – by the way, for the mailbag, uh, every Sunday we put out on Twitter, Shay underscore hello. If you have any questions for Bill or I, mostly Bill, uh, Put them on there on Twitter, uh, and we will read them live on the broadcast, on the podcast, just like we did right now. Uh, Shay underscore hello. So thanks, everybody who participated in that. And uh, quick pitches is just me and Bill, uh, you know, having fun here. So going to ramble three uh, quick questions. Bill doesn't know what's coming, and he's going to give us his answers and his thoughts. Ready, Bill? I'm ready. All right. Do you have any hidden talents? Like a quirky talent that maybe someone else can't do or something stupid. Well, I, I wouldn't know if it's something that somebody else doesn't do, but I, I guess I kind of fancy myself to having to gift the gab a little bit, you know, being able to, to conversate with people. And uh, okay. I think that my, I think uh, I my agree. really good hidden talent or another talent that I have is kind of a judge of character and a judge of people. I think I'm really good at that. That's, that's a huge uh, talent to have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I'm, I think I'm pretty good at that. All right, gift of gab and, and basically uh, your gut telling you uh, a lot Good more person, than others. Good person, bad person. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Okay. Uh, what was your favorite 
two-part question. What was your favorite subject in school? Anything uh, come out to, like you know more so than not in whatever grade? Well, I obviously, school? I, I enjoyed uh, PE. Obviously, but history history was my okay. my favorite uh, my favorite subject in in school. You know, didn't like English. Not wasn't great at math, but uh, loved history and loved knowing about you know the things that have happened in the past that kind of get us to where we are now. Good, perfect segue to the last question. Then with history, how many major league ballparks? You don't have to name them. You could give us an average that you think you've ever been to. Whether the ballparks are demolished, like Shea, or the Kingdom, you know, for example, if you have to give us uh, an estimate uh, of how many major league baseball ballparks that you've been to in your lifetime, whether they they're existing now or did, what do you got? Well, I would say it would have to be around. 20, 20-ish, maybe a little, a few more, 22-ish. And, you know, and that counts p- playing in and also, but, you know, going with the family or whatever. I honestly had never went to a ballpark. That's not true because I went to Memorial, which was um, in Baltimore. Yeah. So I'd say about 22 to 20. I'm going to go with 22. and But that's okay. not, a, that's not, don't, you know, don't put that in stone, but somewhere right around there. Yeah, so approximately twenty-two. Obviously, I've been to. All, I went to all the National League parks. Obviously, there's some National League parks that are I've been around since I that that, I, that when I played that I I didn't go to, and right. then uh, I missed I missed some American League uh, parks because I spent more time in the National League. But uh, yeah, I'm going to say twenty-two to twenty-four. Okay, then you're an East Coast guy, uh, you know, New York, Florida. So I, I would think if you hit California. You would probably hit a lot of ballparks if you were there for a little bit, you know. Well, LA. I went to the, the four there that were at the time. Obviously, didn't. No, you pitched there, there, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I played. I played the, to, in those. You know, all all of those out there. What's Except your for Petco uh, because I was Petco was after I um, was done playing. Out of those four, what was your favorite ballpark? I, I think I know the answer to it. Well, Dodger Stadium is obviously historic. You know. Yeah. Um, is that it? And you know, I never took the mound at Dodger Stadium. You have. It's known for you know being a great mound, from what I heard. Is yeah. that true? Yeah, uh, great mound, great visual. You know, a lot of times for pitchers, yeah. when you stand up on the mound, the visualization to see what it looks like. Some some places look very far away. Some places look very close. Some places look like you're standing up on top of a mountain. Other ones feel like you're kind of you know you're down low on the field. Uh, that was obviously you know it's known as a pitcher's park, uh, especially once the sun goes down, the ball doesn't fly quite as uh, like it does during the daytime. But um, yeah. historic, uh, and to stand on a mound where, uh, you know, a guy like Sandy, obviously they've rebuilt the mound since Sandy Koufax pitched there, but to know that you stood on the same mound as, as Drysdale and Koufax and, yeah. and stuff like that is pretty cool. Last thing, you, uh, this always happens. We'll keep it really quick. You just brought up Sandy Koufax. Um, I just watched the documentary of Yogi Berra. It ain't over. I don't mm-hmm. know. Have you seen it? I haven't. It's on Netflix. Um, they, I'll check that out. Sandy Koufax was, uh, you'll understand if you see it, because they start off with, at that time, the 2015 All-Star Game, the four best living players at that time, and Sandy Koufax was one of them, along with, at that time, uh, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, and uh, I forget the other one. And the whole Yogi Berra, his granddaughter, uh, Yogi had three kids, Dale Berra played in the majors, and two others, and eight grandchildren. Um, She was all pissed that... She was watching it with her dad, Yogi, uh, her grandfather, Yogi, and he goes, she turns to Yogi and she goes, you dead? And he's like, not yet, you know, because <laughs> Bill, that's Yogi for you. And um, 
they it was more of like Yogi was so underrated as a baseball yeah. player because he was more looked at as like a cartoon and a and a figure of all everything. So my point is, and it's amazing how just Sandy Koufax and you know get trigger all this. It's a must see documentary. It is, and I and I'm hard on movies in terms of you know critiquing, um, and I'm not a documentary guy either. And I'm a Mets fan, and I understand Yogi played and coached for 11 seasons with the Mets, and he's more obviously a Yankee. But for an hour and 38 minutes or so, it was the best documentary I have ever seen. So I'm going to check it out. I, when I say if you have time I'm to watch sold. it, uh, you will love it. And yeah, any Mets fan, and I love I love old. You know, I used oh, to, you'll I get it. Go usually every spring, right before spring training. I refresh myself with the the Ken Burns documentary pretty yeah. much every year and watch that. So uh, love love old stuff like that. Yeah, it's really well done. There's a lot of you know old school baseball. The Jackie Robinson, uh, you know, sliding into home plate during the World Series with Yogi catching. I will you know <laughs> I, I won't go there now, but he was safe by the way. Just saying, right. um, Jackie was. Uh, but I totally recommend it to anybody listening or watching, and especially to you and and. Uh, Steve behind the scenes. Uh, if, it's an unbelievable documentary. So 100% check it out if you can. Absolutely. That's going to wrap up uh, episode 16 of the Shea Low podcast. Uh, amazing. Uh, we've made it to the holiday week. Uh, Thanksgiving looms. And then we have December where everything's going to hit the fan uh, with signings and the domino effect and the coaching staff being filled out, trades. Uh, I want to thank Stephen White. Uh, behind the scenes, our producer. Uh, this broadcast, this podcast was brought to you by Roots-Recordings.com. Uh, 16 episodes in the books. Uh, we're just getting started here because, like I said, all these moves, the Mets have 28 men on their 40-man roster. Uh, a lot of work to be done, and I keep using the word fascinating times because uh, it is unprecedented, that many or little 28 players. Uh, I had a great time. We missed you last week, Bill. Uh, any last parting words now that you're back in New York, in the cold, out of the warm weather of uh, Florida, and uh, out of La La Land, if you will? Yeah, yeah. Just uh, want to thank everybody uh, that's that's uh, watching and listening. Um, hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving, and uh, hug your hug your loved ones uh, during these holiday times, and tell uh, tell them that you love them, and uh, have fun with uh, your friends and family. Absolutely. So. Everyone watching on uh, YouTube at uh, Shea Hello Media, hit that subscribe, like, and comment button. If you're uh, listening on wherever you get your pod, uh, podcast platforms, uh, hit that follow and like button. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Steve. Have yourself a great Thanksgiving week. We'll be back next week for episode 17. I'm sure with a hell of a lot more to talk about. And, of course, be safe and have a great rest of your day, everybody.